Well, praise God. If you're a guest with you're here with us this morning, Lord bless you. Amen. I know that might be a little different, but uh, you know, me and me and Judah were reading this incredible story recently. I believe it's in Judges chapter seven or eight, where the Midianites, literally with hundreds of thousands of troops, were invading. You know, were coming up against Israel. You guys know this story. And Gideon, the general of the Lord's army, had 300,000 men. No, 30,000 men. I'm sorry. He had 30,000 men. And the Lord said, that's too many. <laughs> that's too many. If, if you guys win, even with just 30,000, everybody will think that you guys did it. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you to get rid of some. And do you know, you know through the series of events... They went down to just 300 men. And then they went and surrounded the enemy at night no, with no swords or spears or bows or anything. They took a trumpet in one hand and they took a, a jar, a pottery jar, and the other with a torch. And Gideon said, at my voice or at my trumpet, everybody blow your trumpet together. They blew the trumpet. Then at the same time, they shattered the pottery vase that they were carrying and held up the torch in one hand and the trumpet in the other. And when the enemy saw that literally hundreds of thousands of Midianites and Amalekites who had joined them in the battle, fled, just started running and killing one another. And the, the battle was delivered into the hands of Gideon and his army. 300 men. So I'm just saying that to illustrate that sometimes the Lord can do really odd things and instruct you to do really odd things. But if you'll just go with Him, mighty victories will be won. I believe that even as men and women here today, even as you lay all by faith and say, hey, I don't know what this roaring's all about. I don't know about raising the dead, but I know there's some issues in my heart. Won't you do it, Lord? And I know even now. God has done it. God has raised something up. Even if it's just a little tiny torch, a little tiny spark, it's being raised up. Amen? Amen. So, Byron spoke of, uh, he spoke of a new, I think a greater level of worship. He was talking about new modes or styles or whatever of preaching that God was wanting to release. And um, I saw a vision just in my mind Oh, I don't know when it was now, a few weeks ago maybe. And in the vision, the, sea, the roof of this room literally just came off as we worshiped. And uh, I was like, Lord, what's that all about? You know, I mean, what's going on here? And he said, he said it to me like this. He said, as you, as River Life becomes the church that I've created it to be, literally in a corporate body as one, Literally, the roof will come off. Not literally, but in the spirit. I'm sorry, the roof will just blast off of this thing. And I, and I think it really goes along with what Luis was prophesying or, or was saying there, that we just have no idea. <laughs> we have no idea what we're capable of. And um, So I want to talk this morning about, I'm just titling this, The Real You. Okay? And this isn't just a message about you individually, even though it is, but it's also about the real us as a body, as a church. 
Okay, and that's what I want to touch on this morning. And I'm just going to ask you to shift into your spirit mind in case you're not already. But <laughs> That might be impossible with the roaring and everything. But shift into your spirit mind right now and just see what the spirit might be saying to us as individuals and as a corporate body of believers. Amen? Um, we had a, a fun thing having me and Marlon and Alton traveling back there in the back. Um, I don't know if you guys know Alton, but he got touched by the fire of God what, back in February. And uh, he'd been going through some issues, but God just has blasted his life through the fire. And, uh, and um, he just had an incredible experience with the Lord. And so my dad invited me and Marlon and Alton to come down to his school and for Alton to share his testimony there. So on Thursday, I went back to my alma mater. That's the uh, high school that I graduated from in Durham. And uh, this is a uh, Southern Baptist school. And uh, so we went in there, and I just began to start off for the first five or ten minutes just talk, um, explaining to the students there and the high school students about the fire of God and how Hebrews 12.29 says our God is a consuming fire and then just started giving some testimonies of some of the, the results of the fire of God through healing and salvation and people getting uh, free from some oppression and stuff. And, you know, it was really kind of amazing to me because I remember sitting in those chapel services like this, you know, and um, I didn't really know what to expect. But when we got up there to speak, it was like, <laughs> well, I guess we carried that up in heaven, Luis, because it was like there was just such a receptivity. You know what I'm saying? There was so, there, there was, it just felt like uh, there wasn't any walls or barriers. You know, it was like the students were just right there. And uh, so after I did that, then Alton got up and shared his testimony, and it, he did a fabulous job. It was just great. And then Marlon came up at the end of that, and uh, we had a couple words of knowledge for some kids. And <laughs> it was an awesome time. And uh, this one girl named Mariana comes up to me and uh, just tears in her eyes. She goes, I'm. I said, well, Marianne, what's going on with you right now? What's the Lord doing? She goes, I'm just so confused. I just don't know what to do and blah, blah, blah. And so it uh, turns out I ended up praying with her. She gets saved right there, invites the Lord to become the, the boss of her life and turns it all over. And I mean, you know, we're in a Southern Baptist school, so I know this isn't something that they're unacquainted with in terms of praying the sinner's prayer. So I'm like, Marianne, have you ever prayed this prayer before? She goes, no, I, actually I haven't, you know. So that was exciting, you know, and uh, it was cool having Alton because, you know, it's something about having another 16-year-old preaching and sharing a testimony that really can, can do things with other teenagers. And uh, so uh, we had a couple of healings. Um, in fact, after the chapel was dismissed, um, a, a father had come to, I don't know, what I guess he had come to, talked to his son or something, but somebody came and got me and they said, hey, this man back here, he's experiencing some major chest pains. He's actually on his way to the ER. Will you pray for him? I was like, yeah, absolutely. So I just prayed for him right there and uh, immediately all the pain went away. And uh, so I don't know what the long-term results were, but at least right there the Lord touched him and healed him. And then in the middle school chapel, there's two different ones. In the middle school chapel, 
uh, at the end, it was time for the kids to go back to class, so we were just kind of praying a corporate prayer over the kids, and uh, one of the teachers runs up to me, he goes, hey, Matthew, um, I'm a diabetic, and I've been really shaky recently, and my vision is really blurred from the, I guess, a, you know, a, an issue with the diabetes. He goes, it's getting really bad. Would you just pray for me? So right there in front of the students, I just took a hold of his hands and just began to release the Holy Spirit into his life, and he checked it out right there, you know, check it, and he checked it out, and he's like, yeah, that's like 50% better, just right there. So that was really encouraging, and uh, we had about, oh, I don't know, 10 or 20 of the high school students that even after their chapel came back to the middle school chapel because they just couldn't get enough and were just so encouraged you know and so like um becky and i think louise were saying i realized something that sometimes we get so used to being here or you know being a part of just what the holy spirit's doing and whatever that oftentimes we don't realize even in a simple just the loving way of presenting the Holy Spirit and the fire of God or the river or whatever you want to, whatever you're ministering at that time, it's amazing the impact and the receptivity that it can have on people, impact that it can have over people's lives, you know? So I just want to even encourage you, and I know there's been a lot of testimonies of this, but encourage you even more as if, if you're out there on the job and with your extended families or whatever, just a simple, just a, let, let the compassion of Christ rise up in you, and I guarantee you things will happen, you know, as we just obey and just step out there and just release that thing. So... It was also um, <laughs> a little bit of a flashback to go back to my old high school. Anybody ever gone back to like a reunion or something and you, you see <laughs> Jake. Jake's in the 11th grade. He's raising his hand. <laughs> so you go back to, a re- you know, you go back there and you see those halls that you once walked and, you know, maybe you've thought about the way that you were back then or, or whatever. And, uh, well, for one thing, it was a little scary because I realized I'm old. You know, I mean, <laughs> my dad was like, hey, Matthew, you see that seventh grade girl right there? I go, yeah. He goes, well, that's the daughter of one of your classmates that you graduate with. I was like, what? Seventh grade? I was like, wow, I guess it has been 16 years ago since I graduated from high school. But you know how you wake up one morning and you're just old. But... uh that only happened for Jim like two years ago. I, I remember that. He, he said, I'm officially not minister. I'm not a part of the youth anymore. You know, he always considered him part of the youth group, right? <laughs> so, uh, but along those lines also, I was thinking back to myself as a 15, 16-year-old teenager in high school and, and just remembering really how insecure I was. You know, and uh, for me personally back then, you know how kids can be cruel. I was kind of one of those kids that they would refer to as pizza face or something, you know, because I had really bad acne and, you know, and, be, and because of that and, you know, those little words and stuff, um, I was just really insecure and lacked self-confidence. And uh, so, for example, I remember just having zero confidence to like, you know, ask a girl out that I liked or anything like that. And, and so as a result, I always got mixed up with the girls that came after me, you know. And I don't know if there's any traditional folks in here, you know, but, uh, you know, when I was a kid or a teenager, my mom always taught us, 
you know, that girls don't call boys. Boys call girls, you know. And I know there's teenagers in here today that have no idea what I'm talking about. But, uh, or text. Maybe I should say that. Don't text boys. Yeah. Andy's over there, amen, and having five girls himself, you know. <laughs> but anyway, you know, I was thinking, well, you know, I was really immature back then. But then I, I thought, you know, I think sometimes we slough off those insecurities and stuff as immaturity. When in reality, I don't know if that's really true. Because one observation I've had is there's probably been a lot of insecure teenagers that have grown up and become more insecure adults. You know? And, and there may even be some people in this room, like I've struggled with this insecurity even here today, and I believe God wants to break those things off of you, even some bondages off of you this morning. Or maybe He already has. Maybe that was the purpose of the lion's roar. So if that's something, then you know who you are. You don't need to raise your hand or anything. If that's something that you've really struggled with, I just encourage you, just lay hold of that by faith. Say, Lord, you've broken that thing over my life. I just receive it right now. Even after becoming a Christian, sometimes it doesn't solve the problem, does it? Yeah, old things have gone and behold, all things have become new. But at the same time, sometimes there exist things in our soul realm that just kind of hang around. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, I see a few heads nodding. I know that has been the case for me. I, um, really, here's who I was kind of... Here's how my friends described me in high school, and I remember them kind of fussing at me about this. Matthew, you're just moody. Especially the girls. Here are these girls calling me moody. You know? You're just moody and, uh, you know, all this stuff. And um, even, you know, after becoming a Christian age 19 and into my 20s, now I'm in my 30s, one of the things that, yeah, my wife's like, mm hmm. What? <laughs> One of the things that I've even um, I've noticed in my natural man, okay, is yeah, a moodiness, um, struggling somewhat with you know mild depression. I've I've had uh, I know what it is to have anxiety attacks. Uh, literally, I remember being at the mall one time and had such an intense anxiety attack that I had to 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 sit down on a bench, and then eventually we just left, and I, I think we went to the doctor even just to do some tests, you know, because my heart... I mean, so in other words, I'm just trying to give you a, a picture of some of, the, of who I am in my natural man. And, um, and I just wanted to just share this, start with this testimony, because I'm, I'm trying to explain myself a little bit. And um, God's done a progressive work in my life over the course of a few years here, let's say the past five, six to eight years. And, uh, but even recently, even in the last six months, as the Lord has begun to give me a revelation on that Hebrews 12, 29, you know, and I've preached a couple of messages on that even, the, the fire of God and the benefits and the byproducts of the fire of God. And I, honestly, in all humility, I'm just saying this, that I just stand here today and I feel like a totally new person. I feel like a new man. I've had people come up and tell them, man, you, you're like a different person, you know? And I'm like, thanks. I feel like a different person. That's good news, you know? And that's nothing special about me. It's just a testimony of the grace of God. And honestly, here's all it takes. If you're sitting there and you're going, well, how do you do that? I mean, how do you... It's just this, whatever. Just saying, whatever, God. 
You know, because I remember when this whole, the river of God started flowing through here, and I've shared before that my wife was just going berserk and having all these encounters, and Byron saw him out, heavenly experiences, and angels this, and, you know, heavenly realm that, and, the, and I'm like, well, I mean, my head's spinning, I'm, you know, because I'm battling in here with, like, not really understanding, like, yeah, okay, but not really experiencing until, until, I just began, well, Lord, you know, whatever. I mean, if I hoe and woe, that's great. If I don't, fine. If I fall down when somebody prays for me, that'd be cool. But if I don't, I'm good. You know what I'm saying? If I'm just, just going ballistic because the presence of God is so thick on me, that would be awesome. But in the meantime, if I'm not, I'm going to rejoice that that guy is. You understand what I'm saying? That's what the Lord taught us early on about getting low about what true humility is, is it's rejoicing in the success of Marlon Magusu, even when Matthew Bollinger may be hanging out, keeping the babies in the back. You understand what I'm saying? That's what getting low means. That's what it is. And it's a, it's a fundamental aspect that is connected to the river of God and maintaining its flow in your life and the fire of God, keeping those fires burning. I really believe that. Because like Jim told us early on, you're not always going to feel wet. And I realize that's very true. You're not always going to feel wet, but there's a revelation when you know that even when you don't feel it, you're still wet. The river is still flowing no matter how you feel. You understand what I'm saying? I feel like in this same regard, <laughs> in this same regard, God wants to take our church well, I believe He is and maybe has. I don't know how to say that exactly. But He wants our church corporately, okay? Think of, again, as us as one, as a body. He wants us to learn this lesson of staying low, not thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought, but with all humility, carrying the river, carrying the fire. You see, I mean, I'm just sharing a testimony about Thursday at Crescent Christian Academy in Durham but I hope you didn't, because I'm really not bragging. I don't want to gloat that somehow because we're some special, spirit-filled charismaniacs, we got something over the Baptist church. That's not my heart at all. My, but my heart is this. When I see a hundred teenagers who you can tell are dying on the inside, when I see a preaching of the fire and a testimony of the fire and all of a sudden they swarm up and say, oh, thank you so much for coming. This one girl was literally, hey, I'm not really plugged into church. I want to come to yours. And I'm like, well, it's two hours away. And she's like, oh, that's kind of a long commute. You know, <laughs> you know when I see that, when I see life being infused back into kind of some spiritual deadness, it encourages me. And I just remember the words of Jesus that said, freely you have received, now freely give it away. It's not pride to go and give what you got. It's pride when you say what we got is better than what somebody else has that God has truly given to them. You see what I'm saying? In fact, the Baptist church has built upon a generational stepping stones of salvation probably more than any other denomination in the United States of America. There's probably, it probably wouldn't be a stretch to say that there are more saved people even in the world 
through the Baptist Church, and maybe even particularly the Southern Baptist Church, given that that's Billy Graham's denomination, there's probably more people that have come into the kingdom of heaven through that denomination than any other denomination in the church today. You know? But what the exciting part is, and I think I've said this before and I'm not really on my notes, but that's okay. I just feel like this is the Lord. Even in the same way, and we've heard this before, but even in the same way, even since the days of Martin Luther and salvation, the revelation of salvation and how you get saved, the Baptist church in the 20th century built upon those generation building blocks of Martin Luther and, and succeeding generations of salvation by faith through grace, by grace through faith rather, and then any time today when somebody comes in here or on Thursday at that chapel and this girl says, hey, I have a revelation of Jesus. I want to know Him personally. I want to come into saving faith. I said, okay, cool, Mariana. Take my hands and pray after me. And at that instant, a miracle happens. And that miracle is that a dead person with a dead, unregenerate heart suddenly comes back to life. Man, I'm making the microphone pop. Byron's anointing is flowing through. I'm getting ready to yell. <laughs> Suddenly, somebody who was once dead now is raised back to life. There's more than one way to raise the dead, you know. But as, as Byron said, hundreds of years ago, it wasn't that easy to get somebody saved. People would have to pray and labor and toil. You know, sometimes for days, weeks, even months to have to come into that encounter. And so now we stand here in 2008 having that revelation, but for some reason, the other part of that Greek word sozo, that salvation word, or at least one of the other parts, being physical healing, um, has missed some generations. And so even many of us sit here in this room uh, doubting whether God still, still heals today or whether it's the will of God for people to be healed because we've had all of these theologies and all of this teaching and all of these things to deal with in our mind. And for most of us here, God's getting us over that. We're coming through that. And every Sunday we pray for the sick and we've seen a lot of people get healed. Some not, but some, you know, but we've just kind of approached it like, well, it's our job to pray. It's God's job to heal. So we're just going to pray the prayer of faith. We're going to believe for a healing anointing to come as we declare the goodness of God. Little side note, have you ever noticed Benny Hinn's model of ministry? I don't care what you think about him as a person. Have you ever noticed that he, he I won't say ever, he rarely ever prays for somebody, lays hands on somebody when they get healed. When do they get healed? While they're sitting in their seats. As the healing anointing comes, let's all worship. Let's all worship, folks. That's, that's what Benny usually... Let's work, it's creating this atmosphere of worship. And in that glory realm of worship, healings just happen. And then he's got a team of people that bring the testimonies. You know, and they just go, well, I was in a wheelchair for 28 years and God just raised me up. I had this cancer and my eyes were blinded. You know, all these things begin to happen. I don't know about you, but that's kind of what I'm going for. Like that corporate healing anointing. But see, there's a difference between that healing anointing and the prayer of faith. That healing anointing is something that God just does. It's kind of a sovereign act, if you will. The prayer of faith is something that we can do. 
We can just step out in it. Oh, you, I see you got there a, a twisted ankle. When did that happen? Mil, uh, how long have you had that? Blah, blah, blah. Just do the interview process. Let's pray right now. God wants to heal you. Let's just unite faith right now. Holy Spirit, come. I command those tendons to be whole. In Jesus' name. Now check it. A couple weeks ago, there's a young man here playing soccer. Who played, he played soccer. Came up to, I think it was me and Eric actually. And uh, he had a sprained knee from that weekend playing soccer. We prayed that. How's it feel, uh, Isaiah? That was his name, Isaiah. He's like, well, nah, about the same. I was like, all right, let's pray again. We prayed again. How's it feel, Isaiah? Oh, yeah, that's a lot better. Well, how much better? Well, that's like 70, 80% better. Yeah, that's really, I said, no, that's pretty good. Go jump up and down on those chairs over there. Let's get a little bit more. And as he did that, as he stepped out there and did something... 100% all pain, all a loss of mobility was completely gone. So that's that prayer of faith. James 5, call the elders of the church to anoint him with oil. Pray The prayer of faith will heal. You know, again, I talked about the other week how there's a difference between healing and miracles. Anyway, I don't know why I'm going off on all of this, Byron, but uh, <laughs> that's one of the message I preached in the first service. But in any case, 1 Corinthians 12 you know, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 says the body is a unit. I think of a unit like, uh, maybe it's because there's a show on TV called The Unit. And it's about like a, a military, I don't know, they're Navy SEALs or special forces, I think. Anyway, the body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So if you think of like a special forces unit... I mean, I haven't been in the military, but you probably got one guy that's carrying a, you know, several guys carrying the M16s, and one guy carrying a heavier piece of artillery, or not artillery, but a, you know, machine gun. And then you got other guys, you know, they have special roles, right? You got your medic, and, and you got the guy who's carrying the communications equipment. So, so if, if you think of us like that, we're all, you know, we've all got a part here. We're all one body. But let me ask you a question. In that special forces unit, if suddenly, let's say the communications guy with the, the phone or whatever, the GPS device, let's say all of a sudden he, he decides that he can't carry out the mission. And, you know, let's say the unit is, you know, in the course of being pinned down or something. What are they going to do? Well, they'll probably band together and figure out a way, hopefully, to get out of their situation but even if they do, they have been severely weakened in strength, haven't they? Or if the guy laying down machine gun cover so the other guys can take a position, stops firing or runs out of ammunition or his gun jams, what's going to happen? The other guys might even get killed, right, because of that weakness. So you're probably familiar with 1 Corinthians 12. In a sense, that's really what Paul's saying here. Is that, listen, we're all part of one body. And so that's what I'm saying is, I believe that as we by faith lay hold of what God wants to do, even that roar of the Lion of Judah comes inside of us corporately. It is in worship. It's in the preaching. It's just in everything that we're doing, even going outside the church. It's literally going to take the Spirit ceiling, the Spirit roof off of this place. How many people will go with me on that? Let's just believe for that. Let it be, Lord. We thank You for that. And it says in verse 27 of 1 Corinthians 12, Now you are the body of Christ, 
And each one of you is a part of it. Nudge your neighbor and say, even you. Even you. But the problem is, our insecurities, our fears, and our doubts can take... I'm just going to see Marlon's my, my buddy, so I can pick on him. Is even going to take a guy like this and say, Marlon, man, you've got to stop being so quiet. I know you're African in the midst of a bunch of Americans, but uh, you know, you've got to step out here, man. I'm just calling you forth. I'm going to release something in your belly that's going to become a bubbling brook, like a river, and it's going to flow out. And when you roar in people's bellies, your mind's going to tell you you're stupid, but your spirit man's going to rise up, and it's going to break the yoke over people's lives. See, that's what's going on with Marlon. Now, I'm not, I'm not suggesting or recommending even that you go yell in people's bellies. That's not the point. It's not the actual actions. What I'm talking about here today is letting your spirit man rise up. Let it. Just let it rise up. I don't care how foolish. I don't care how stupid. David said I'll be even more undignified than this. Just let that doggone spirit man <laughs> rise up inside of you and say no to the carnal you to the natural you the reserved you you know has anybody ever been to an African church quite a few people actually I think in this room including myself there's like five people you have six, seven um, that's a whole way, different way of doing things there I mean, it's incredible. And, you know, I'm not over-glamorizing it. I'm sure they have their same issues. But being reserved is not generally one of them. <laughs> one, of, one of the differences in worship, I know every single song started with the drums. You know, <laughs> like every single one. I mean, it was great. I loved it. It was, it was awesome. And then the other thing I noticed, too, is the young men were always the first ones to run down front and start dancing. The young men, you know, I thought, man, that's a switch. I mean, not to pick on y'all, Jake and Alton, but, you know. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, it's just our culture, right? It's the differences and stuff that we have, and that's good. So that, I'm not implying that somehow if you're a young man, you don't run down front and dance up here, that there's something wrong with you. It's just the point is, whoever you are, whoever we are as a body, we've got to let our spirit man rise up. And that's thus the title, The Real You. Alright, let's go to Moses real quick. Probably the first great hero in the Bible and one of my personal faves, old man Mo. I think he's got a lot to say here. And uh, I'm not going to go through the whole story because most of you probably already know this. If you don't, go back and read the first part of Exodus. Well, the whole book actually is just a tremendous book. But in Exodus chapter 3 is the whole story about Moses and the burning bush. And... I noticed uh, three responses that Moses had in Exodus 3 and 4 and how common they are, even for me, even for you, even for us as a church. And the reason that I feel like the Lord wants us to get this this morning is not because it's going to be a new story or you're going to get some new piece of information, but because by the Spirit of God, through revelation, I believe we can grab hold of something even a, a proper response. And it's going to really help us, alright? So let's go here, Exodus 3.11. You know, God's just 
finished informing Moses that he's going to send him back to his people in Egypt and deliver them from bondage, from slavery. And uh, in verse 11 of chapter 3, But Moses said to God, Who am I? Anybody ever said that to God? Well, who am I, Lord? Again, just because I've heard so much from Jim Hill... I remember Jim talking about a lot. Uh, I'm just a hillbilly from Tuxedo, North Carolina. <laughs> you know, early on in ministry, like, who am I, Lord? I mean, you know, this is great, but who am I? You know, I mean, personally, I'm just an old, you know, insecure, depressed, anxious, you know, 16 year old pizza face. <laughs> you know, or whatever. I know Heidi Baker. You know, we've heard her speak about how she's the wrong everything. See, like here I am over here on these garbage piles where these people live in, in Mozambique and you know they're Africans and they have this culture and everything. And she goes, I'm this blonde-headed, short, white lady from, what is it, Laguna Beach, California. It's like it's the wrong everything. Wrong, 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 wrong. She goes, and we think that if we're going to go out and minister like inner city in our community, that we've got to be able to relate to them, we got you know we gotta, we need to have the right kind of music, and maybe if we could get other some other black folks in the church that could kind of help us along, we could kind of put them on the front lines doing the mystery. We can be there as the intercessors. Lord, help them, help them. You know what I'm saying? Which you know that may be the strategy from God. But what I'm saying this morning is that we are the wrong everything in a lot of situations. But I think if we'll stop asking this "Who am I?" question. Who are we, just little podunk race in the USA? You know, Mooresville, North Carolina. Who are we, Lord, to go out to a place like Argentina and minister the gospel? Or even down to, you know, Durham, North Carolina. It's a lot bigger town. I mean, who are we? Well, yeah, who is He? We know we're nothing. But we can do all things through Him who strengthens us. Amen? So that's the first question, that lack of self-confidence, that insecurity thing. Um, again, I talked about Gideon a few minutes ago. I'm not going to take the time to go to this passage. But um, you remember Gideon's hanging out just scared to death. Just this little old guy just shaking in his boots in a wine press. And he's there and the Lord comes up and says, Oh, mighty man of valor. I can just picture Gideon's like looking around. Oh, is there somebody else in here, Lord? You know, he's going on and how he's going to deliver them from the Midianites. And you know what Gideon does? God, where have you been? You abandoned us, God. I can't believe, you know, he just goes on with this pity party. Anybody ever been there? God, you're just too late. You know, the bills were due three weeks ago, Lord. Like Lazarus' sister. Jesus, if you, wouldn't, if you would have been here two days ago, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus had a different perspective, didn't he? Lack of self-confidence, insecurity. Next, in Exodus 4.1, we see Mo asking the what-if question. Ha-ha, the big what-if. says, Moses answered, Well, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? So? <laughs> Am I God, Moses? Hello, I am I am who I am has sent you. I don't care who believes you and who doesn't believe you. I'm doing this, not you. It ain't about you anyway. You know, I've been trying to encourage you guys with words and knowledge. 
Okay, that you can get words of knowledge for healing or prophetic words. Anybody in this room, you can get them on some level. And when we gather here, you're going to give out those words because you're going to stop asking the what if it doesn't happen and start saying, well, what if it does? You're going to give the what if, you're going to get rid of that and you're going to give the word and yokes are going to be broken. People are going to get healed of all kinds of things. It's going to happen. But in order for it to happen, we got to deal with this what if question. Amen? We got to get, again, what if it does? I shared in the first service, and this is not a testimony, but actually kind of a lamenting an opportunity missed. This past week, I was in uh, this Three Goats, I believe it is. Dylan works there. Three Goats coffee shop, having coffee with Marlon and Andy. And um, uh, in walks a man who, you know, I, well, from obvious appearances, was a homosexual, and he had a hearing aid in his right ear. And you know how you feel that little nudging, and and my response was, I don't have the faith for that right now, Lord. And uh, you know, so we just continued on with our little our little Holy Ghost coffee break, and uh, just having a great time in the Lord, and uh, trying to you know pretend you didn't see the person, and and all of that, and um, yeah. So I didn't pray, I didn't even approach the guy because I thought, well, Lord, what if he thinks I'm stupid? You know, what if he has nothing? He doesn't want anything to do with me. I mean, what if he, you know, what if, what, uh, uh, what if? And then I thought later, but what if he, what if he does get healed? You know, what if he does get delivered right there in the Three Goats coffee shop? What, what if he gets healed, delivered, set free, born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, goes back to maybe his friends and, you know, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's how moves of God start. So I'm just saying to us here as a, as a body, as one, Okay, I'm not pointing at you, I'm pointing at me. I'm saying as one, what if? What are the possibilities for River Life Fellowship? Just think about that for a minute. I'm not saying within ourselves, obviously, that goes without saying, we ain't nobody. But what if we just determine in our hearts... You know what? And I'm talking about a grace thing here. I'm talking about an Apostle Paul grace-filled foundation ministry. What if we just decided, you know what? As a, as a body, nobody left behind. We're just going to go as far as we can go. Now, I believe we're doing that. Okay, don't get me wrong. I'm not, this isn't a rebuke. This is just an exhortation. This is just a challenge. What are the possibilities? How far, how deep could the river get? The Lord shared with us recently that if you'll notice in Ezekiel 36 and Ezekiel's vision about the river, the river got deeper the further away from the temple that it got. Now I said this on Wednesday night and I want to say it again. I believe the further even we get from this room, you're going to find the river's even deeper out there. Why? Because in the natural it seems like the opposite. You ever notice how God likes to work the opposite? It doesn't make any sense. I mean, Lord, we need to get everybody in here, Lord. I mean, this is where the river's flowing. It's right here. I mean, when, we, when Andy's doing that guitar, I mean, it's awesome, Lord. And everybody's going to get healed. It's going to be awesome. And we'll have meetings seven nights a week. And the Lord said, you know, that was another time. That was another day. That was in another place. Maybe that's not what I want to do with you. I might do that with another church next door. But I believe the Lord's saying to us, He wants to send us out. You know, the further, I think the, the designation or the, the, what's going to characterize 
this coming move of God out of this local church is going to be an outgoing. An inflowing of the Spirit and an outgoing. I'm not saying this place ain't going to be packed. We're going to build the Father's house. I believe we'll probably have thousands come through. I'm just saying that's not going to be our focus. Our focus is going to be on giving it away. Sending it out. So I remember about three or four weeks ago on a Sunday morning, I'm sure many of you were here, Byron got up, I think during worship, and said, I just feel like the Lord, who in here has like a missions heart? Does anybody remember that? And honestly, I was shocked because I opened my eyes and turned around just to see them. I mean, there were hands up all over this room. That's all by. I was like, man, that's incredible. Now, when he says missions, I think of just outreach. I think of going out here in Mooresville, going out in North Carolina, the United States, and to the world. So to some people, when you hear the word missions, you might think like the Amazon rainforest or something. I mean, it could be that. But I'm just saying, Lord, let it flow. Just let the river flow. (laughs) Let the river flow. Holy Spirit, come. Move in power. That's good. Exodus 4.10, but Lord, I can't. Lord, I don't even talk good. I ain't never been able to talk good, Lord. Anybody ever seen T.D. Jakes do that message where he stutters? It's a great message. Yeah, most people think that Moses probably had a speech impediment. A stutter. I, I, I don't even, even talk good, Lord. How am I going to go be the spokesperson for God? You know? How is that going to happen? I, I can't, Lord. Uh, in other words... How? How? Amy, I want you to go do this. Great, Lord, that's awesome. Praise God. I'm going to do this. Oh, by the way, Lord, how am I going to do that? I don't have the money. You know, I don't have the availability. I'm not anointed enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. The Lord said, you need to stop asking how, and you need to start saying who. It's not about how. It's about looking to who. Okay, so again, those are the responses that we see. First of all, who am I? A lack of self-confidence. Secondly, well, what if? Or that fear and not trusting God, which really stems back to that poverty spirit Byron was talking about last week. And then thirdly, but Lord, I can't do that. I don't have what it takes. How would I ever do that, Lord? I believe the Lord, even right now, wants to just demolish those questions, that doubt, that unbelief, that insecurity. Because there is insecurity in our church. You know, and that's not a coming down on. It probably exists in every church. Just like a measure probably in each individual. And I believe the Lord, the way to deal with insecurity is that the truth will come in and set us free. Amen. Who is the truth? The man Jesus Himself. A greater revelation of Christ Jesus is what Byron, the Lord shown by That's this revival that's coming. A revival of the revelation of Christ Jesus Himself in a fresh, in a new way that's going to absolutely transform people's lives. I wrote this down in conclusion. I want to share this with you in one scripture. If anything that was ever accomplished for God depended on your natural ability or my natural ability, very little would ever get done. In fact, Billy Graham is noted as having said that the American church 
would, that 90% of what the American church does would continue as usual even if the Holy Spirit was pulled out altogether. However, as we are continually filled with the Spirit, we can boldly step forward and proclaim, God's revelation is my invitation to act. I can do, I can do all things through Christ Jesus. Because Jesus said, these things that I do, you're going to do, and even greater things than these. As the Holy Spirit comes upon you, that's the fire. As the Holy Spirit comes upon you, as the baptism of fire, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, I don't care what you want to call it, it's the same thing. Whether it happens just once or 25 million times or whatever, the point is, under the new covenant, the Holy Spirit is on you. It's on me. There is a foreshadowing of this. The first king that ever existed over the whole nation of Israel, and you probably know his name was Saul. And I want you to see this last scripture in 1 Samuel 10.6. Just go to the screen here. Samuel was prophesying to Saul and telling him what was going to happen to him, among other things. Here's what he said towards the end. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power and you will prophesy with them. And get this, not only will you prophesy and not have power, you will be changed into a different person. I feel like that's my testimony. I feel like a new person. You will be changed into a new... Well, Matthew, how many times can you be changed? You know, I don't know, as many times as you want, I think. I mean, as many times as God wills, I guess. Continue. How many people would just like to be changed? So, you know, like, have you ever felt like, man, I need to get saved again? You know, like, I just want to get saved again. You, know, you, you remember that feeling, that euphoria, or that, the feeling of the Holy Spirit. You'd be changed into a new person. And then check this out. This is very interesting and could be a whole sermon itself. Once these signs are fulfilled... Do whatever your hand finds to do for God's with you. Isn't that awesome? Whatever. How many things can I do? All. How many? All. How many? All. I can do all things through Christ. (laughs) It strengthens us, right? Whatever. There it is. Lord, whatever. Let's stand up. Okay, what I'd like for y'all to do is, <clears throat> I like this handheld mic I got. If you, uh, I was getting this thing, I felt like the Lord wanted me to do it, and Jackie gave me a little note, said the same thing. For those who feel like they may be stuck where you're at spiritually, you may be stuck, or you just may be too tired to go forward, you know, that's the way you feel in your life being stuck with those, you know, who am I or what if and what, you know, all that. I'd like for you to come up. What we do is line up across the front here and you're going to take a step. And you're going to, the step's going to be, you're taking a, a, a step into what God has for you now. You're not going to be stuck no more. Amen? Y'all, y'all understand that. So anybody who feels that, come up here on this line, line up across the front. When, uh, when Matthew asked Marlon to come up and uh, pray that prayer about the deadness, which is really what this is all about. The Lord gave me a vision, and it was this big red heart pumping. But then as I looked at the heart, I saw these gray dead patches 
in certain areas of the heart. And while the heart was pumping and beating, there was nothing happening on the dead gray patches. And the Lord was showing me the seriousness of this message that if left alone, the pumping areas would not begin to bring life to the gray areas, but that the gray areas would slowly overtake the pumping life. And that it's not a matter of just being able to stay where you are with dead places. It's either change it and bring life to the dead places, or the dead places will come and take the life from the live places. So, anybody else feel like they, they want to come up, make this step of faith from where, you, where you're at right now into the next place that you feel like God wants you to go? We'll wait another moment or two. Because I think there's a couple more people in here that should come up, so I'm going to wait on you. Thank you, Lord. Lord's good. I just want to say, I really sense that there's some people here that are facing a decision and you're stuck. You're, you're really battling with the answer to this decision. It might be a medical decision. It might be a job decision. But you're stuck somewhere. And I just want to encourage you to come up here. I think this is for you too. I think that... If you just come up here and stand, because even if you're stuck in a place where you're not sure what to do, if you'll just have faith, just put your faith in Him and let Him, if you feel like you can't pick that foot up, ask somebody to pick it up for you. If you're tired and feel like you can't pick it up, ask someone to pick it up for you. But I really sense that there's some people stuck somewhere in a decision process, and I really sense the Lord wants to just break that off of you and even help you make that step. We'll wait on you while we're waiting. Marla has a word. Um, there's two words, Lord gave me. One was on Wednesday night, and uh, the ones for Wednesday night, um, it was more specific. Like I had a vision of a glass vase, and in there was a single rose. I can't remember if it was white in color, but it was just a single rose. And the Lord was just telling me that if that's you, or if you know anybody, you walked into their house and they have a vase that has a single rose, the Lord has something for them. The Lord will not tell me any further what it was until that person is revealed. But the Lord has more for you. And then the second word was, the Lord said, just run the race. Get The cloud witnesses say, run the race with everything that you got by the power of the Holy Ghost. You know, and I had this. You know, I had the words of Paul: "By grace I am who I am in Christ." You know what I mean? By grace you are you are who you are. I am who I am. You know what I mean? And just be encouraged that you know, just like Paul, he had done a whole bunch of crazy stuff before that. You know, he had persecuted the church. He had done all these crazy things. But in the midst of that, he said, "Yes, I'm the chief of sinners, but also." By the grace of God, I am who I am. Period. There is nothing he could do to go back and change the situation that he did in the past. He had no power whatsoever. He had to trust the Lord that he was going to change it. He had to trust the Lord that he was going to heal all those people. The church was scared of him. They said, this is a guy that persecuted the church. Now he's saved. Is this for real? Is this true? Should we have him over or not? It doesn't matter what you've done. Just remember. His grace is sufficient. And by His grace, you are who you are. I was just reminded this morning, the Lord gave, 
gave me the word hard hat or the words hard hat. I don't know what that means, but if that means anything to anybody, um, just wanted to get that out there. Maybe it was hard head. I don't know, but I, <laughs> I think it was hard hat. Well, there is a couple hard heads in here. Father, you, these folks who've come up this morning who are standing before you, Lord, we, we want, we, all of us want to make that next step in our life. The thing, the, the thing, we want to step into that greater thing that you have. And Lord, we're all facing those questions that many times of who am I or how am I going to do this? What if this happens or what if that happens? Lord, well, today we want to step beyond all that. Lord, today we want to step across those questions. We want to step across our own insecurities, our own thoughts, our own circumstances. Lord, we want to step across what has been said, what we've always believed about ourselves, what others may have believed about ourselves. We want to step across our past, Lord. We want to step across the insecurity about the future. We want to step across our lack, Lord. We want to step across all those things today, Lord, and step into your grace into the place where the Holy Spirit takes us and does in us what you have ordained for us. So, Lord, right now, in Jesus' name, we're going to make that step here today, believing that you're going to help us to make that step in our lives in reality. So, take the step. Just take it. Take a step right now into the Lord, into what God has for you, Lord. We release it now, Lord. We release that, Lord, as those who've stepped forward, Lord. Oh, yeah, that's good. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, shibalabashaka. Oh, be it done unto you according to your faith. Hallelujah. Be it done unto you according to your faith. Lord, release a supernatural faith right now for this step to every person in this room, whether it be financial, spiritual, whatever it may be, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just right now just, um, Lord, I just want to break off fear of failure off of us. We just right now just come against those voices that come to us of that fear of failure. And we just, we just lower those voices to the ground and say, no, we will no longer receive uh, these suggestions that are coming from the enemy that says, what if... We just right now, in the Spirit, we bat those words down and we say we will no longer receive those words. Those are suggestions that are coming from the enemy. They are not from God. Those are not words from God. Mm. No longer will we receive those suggestions. No longer. We have been created in the image, in God's own image. We are sons, we are daughters, that He has created each and every one with particular destinies. He has crowned us with compassion. He's crowned us with everything that we need to walk into our destinies. And so we right now take authority over these demonic words that are being uh, coming into our minds, these suggestions that are coming. And Lord, we ask, we repent for receiving these suggestions. Whoa. And right now, we just put up the shield of faith. We place the shield of faith right there in front of our minds. 
Lord, when we just say we, Lord, from now on we have this shield in our mind, in front of our minds that, Lord, we'll only receive what Your Word says about us, not by what any demonic spirit would uh, come and suggest to us any longer. Mm. And Lord, right now, Lord, like you said to Lazarus, just right now, God, I command the spirit man right now inside of every one of these believers. I say, spirit man, come forth right now. Come forth right now. Come forth right now. Come forth right now. Rise up. Rise up, spirit of God. Rise up right now and you spirit of death. I command you to go right now from each one of these people, Lord, right now. Just release life. Life. Let life just flow into their inner man. Life. Life flow right now. Let life just flow. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just also take the grave clothes off today in Jesus' name. It's like Jesus said by Lazarus. Unbind him and let him go. So Lord, right now we unbind every person here, every one of these people right now, we unbind them and let them go in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are free. You are unbound in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we let you go. We let you go in Jesus' name. Marlon's going to come by. Marlon and Matthew, Becky, Louise, come by and just lay hands on people and just touch them unbind them while Andy sings a song. So we're just going to, this is sort of the end here. So if you want to be dismissed and go, you, you're dismissed. Lord bless you and keep you. And we're just going to spend a few time ministering and worshiping a little bit more. But bless you.